Active FM presents Food for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Anston. So I want you to think about what we're here today for. I want you to think about the reality of um, our life with God. And today we're talking about finding real life. And, and I want to ask you, you know, in the decisions that you're making in your life, are you making those decisions believing that it's a real God? A God that you're going to be accountable to one day. And that's what this whole weekend has been about. It's been about the awakening, finding, and today finding real life. Not just the life that the world talks about, you know. Um, I heard many people complaining before this uh, president's last address. And they were really upset at the fact that uh, maybe he's going to ban alcohol again. Maybe there's going to be no alcohol for Easter. But anyway, the president did say that you're only allowed to consume on-site. You're not allowed to walk around, transport it, drink in public or anything like that. My goodness gracious me, you would never have said that there was a regulation like that in place. In fact... um, was it yesterday or Friday we were driving and uh, through, through our area here and there was this one particular house there was, looked like a billion people there and there was a SAP car, Saving Police Services coming the other way and the cops were just like looking at this I couldn't believe what was going on and I want to say, you know if they come later on and they say that um, COVID has spread because of super spread events at a church Look here, we're sitting all over the place, masked. Uh, I, I even see Andile there. She's got a full frontal thing going on there. You understand what I'm saying? And then I look at these oaks. And, uh, well, first of all, when people, when people start drinking, they start kissing. You know what I mean? The moment you kiss someone with COVID, you're going to get COVID. Don't kiss someone with COVID. You will get COVID. How is it that alcohol provide such a big thing over Easter because people clearly don't believe that God is real people clearly don't hear enough stories like the one that we heard this morning and, and what we're talking about here is having victory in the, in the spiritual realm in Colossians 2 verse 15 it, it speaks about this power that we have this power that we have in the cross and this is what we celebrate at Easter in Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And what what this is saying is you look at all the demonic forces, you look at all the evil forces that are in the world today, you look at the forces of sin and death. And what has Jesus done? He's made a mockery of them. You know someone that gets totally drunk, they often make a mockery of themselves, they make a fool of themselves. Someone who's on drugs often makes a fool of themselves. And, and, and what the Bible says is that like those people who've made a fool of themselves when they're in a, 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 a state because of a substance, this is just a small picture of the fool that Jesus made of the devil, of all of the demons and of your sin. He triumphed over them at the cross. And this speaks of a war that is taking place right now in the heavens. In the heavenly realm, in the spiritual realm, there's a war that is going on right now, whether you know it or not. And what Easter Sunday, the resurrection, is all about is that Jesus has victory over that war. What the empty tomb tells us is that there is a victory over this war. And Colossians 1, 
verse 15 to 18. Speaking about this Jesus, just listen to me right now. This is this Jesus who the Bible is talking about. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. That beer was created by Him and for Him. All things. In verse 17, He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. You're only being held together right now because of Jesus. And then in verse 18 it says, And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything He might have supremacy. I hear a lot of talk about white supremacy. Now I'm hearing about black supremacy. And I'm here to tell you I'm not into any of that rubbish. I'm into Jesus' supremacy. The one who is the firstborn among the dead. The one who was and is and is to come. The one before whom one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord and that He is Lord of all. This is the Jesus that I'm talking about today. And when Satan rebelled, he was not able to touch the things that are closest to God because Jesus made a fool of him. Now, I want you to think about the problems in the world. I want you to think about the challenges of life. I want you to think about that which everyone's freaking out about. Some people freak out if you don't wear a mask. Other people freak out if you do wear a mask. But most people are freaking out over something. And people are freaking out because of fear. People are freaking out because we live in a world that is sick. And I remember when I was in the army. If people were sick, they would go to the clinic to the where, the where the medics were. And you know, the funny thing is, you could have had a stroke, you could have had a heart attack, you could have had cancer, you could have had bumped your toe, you could have scratched yourself, you, you, you could have measles. You know, it didn't matter what you have, everything that you have, they gave you a medicine called Voltaren. They would look at you and they'd give you Voltaren. Sometimes Voltaren tablets, other times they'd make you turn around, bap, right there, Voltaren injection. Everything, Voltaren. I remember the one time I went to the doctor and then they booked me off, they gave me Voltaren. A day or two later, and this was now I'm supposed to be in training, so I'm in a military camp, you understand? A day or two later, I'm still not feeling better. And the doctor looks at me, says, you got Voltaren, you better. He starts shouting at me. Anyway, um, the next thing, I came out with a rash. So I went back to the, uh, uh, the, the same clinic. Another doctor says, I got chickenpox. A whole lot of people had chickenpox. So I got put into an isolation ward. We were social distancing from everyone else, all the chickenpox guys. And then on the Saturday night, they took my temperature, and my temperature was over 40 degrees. I would not have made it into this church today. The medic that was in the ward looking after us freaked out. They rushed me to the hospital, 
And the doctors at one military hospital were so angry, they wanted to know the names of the doctors that I'd been to. But I didn't know them. The one was a jerk. But anyway. But Voltaren didn't work. Who knows? Maybe the Voltaren made things worse. And when you are sick, before you apply a solution, before you apply medication, we need a diagnosis. If we don't apply a diagnosis, the best case scenario is it might leave the problem unresolved or it could even make things worse. Now, when we're looking at the sickness that's in society, in life we see that for many people something is wrong. And I want to ask you as you're sitting here today, is there something that is wrong? There's something in your inner self, in your inner core, in your soulish realm that is wrong. Are you stagnant in life? Well, let me tell you that drinking those beers that so many people have been doing and having those parties. You know, people can't go to church because, hey, yo, yo, we might get infected, you understand? But, yo, when the party's going and the beers are flowing and the whiskey's going and there's just a liquid river just flowing down the middle of that thing, hey, social distancing, be damned. What is the problem when you're applying that substance? Is that the real medication that's going to bring about a real solution? You know, in Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 10, we read this story. Jesus entered into Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. This was one rich dude. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Do we welcome Jesus gladly into our homes? All the people saw this and began to mutter, ha, ha, ha. You notice how people will begin to mutter when someone invites Jesus into their house. There always seem to be people who's going to mutter. And what they said was, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. I'm glad that Jesus went to be the guest of a sinner because if he hadn't, he would never have come to my house. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, yeah, and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus had a lot of wealth. And you know, with wealth comes great influence. And so Zacchaeus was influential. Zacchaeus was influential because he had a lot of gold. They said he was a sinner because I'm sure that the, because of the fact that he had a lot of gold, he had a lot of girls. Girls flock to the guys with influence. Girls flock to the guys with the gold. I'm sure that because he had a lot of gold and a lot of girls, and because we see that he was unpopular, he probably had some bodyguards. And the bodyguards probably had guns, which means he had a lot of power. Zacchaeus had everything 
that this world had to offer. But he had no God. So if he had no God, let me ask you this question. Why was it that Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was? He'd obviously heard about this Jesus, but why was he so keen to see who Jesus was? Incredibly as rich as he was, incredibly as busy as he would have been, incredibly as, as the fact that he probably had a whole lot of girls, enough for the people to call him a sinner, he had time enough to look for Jesus. You know, when we get desperate, we, we will have time to look for Jesus. When we're not desperate, we won't have time. He had the possessions, he had the position, and he had the power. But you know, these things have never satisfied any man. The only people who think they'll be satisfied by possessions, by position, and by power, are those who don't have it. Anyone who's had it knows it does not satisfy. And Zacchaeus would have been a rich man today, living in the best of areas. He would have had the best cars. Maybe he would have had 12 Ferraris and 3 Lamborghinis and a Porsche or two just to put them there in his house. That every day of the week he looks what color suit he's wearing and he chooses the car according to the color so that they match. That's probably the kind of person Zacchaeus would have been. And yet Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. You know, if you achieve success according to the world, I'm telling you now, even if you achieve that success and get all you think that you're looking for and all you think that you want, you will desire God one day. Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus because there was a hole in his heart. I went to a wedding recently from a family member. I had to do the wedding. It was a wedding that was supposed to have taken place and then COVID-19 hit and all weddings were cancelled. Anyway, we went to this place and there was quite an incredible setup there. And after the wedding ceremony, we went there to go wait for them and these snacks came. And as these snacks come, you're chowing. There's prawns and burgers and I mean everything from prawns to burgers. Everything was in these snacks. They looked so good. And we ate and we ate while we were talking. The problem was that after a while we were full. And now we went to the dining area. And there we're sitting in the dining area. We all get welcomed and they say, now come the starters. So here came the starters. We're already full. Now we're eating starters. You know those little things that we're supposed to have before plus the starters are supposed to be what they call appetizers. It's supposed to sweeten your appetite and make you ready for the meal. Now you've eaten too much and now comes the main course. And when you're at a wedding, it's not good to ask for a doggy bag. How many of you know what I mean? So now the main course comes, French cuisine or whatever it was. And you don't have appetite for the main course. The purpose of the appetizers is to excite you for the main course. You're not supposed to fill yourself on the appetizers so that you don't have space for the main course. I want you to think about the appetizers for life. The appetizers for life are a man with possessions, a man with position, a man with power, and a man with connections. You know, these are things that God gives a person not as the main thing from life, but as an appetizer for what God is in their lives. 
you're chasing after the, the possessions and the position and the power and the connections. But there's a main course that's coming upon your life. And some people are working flat out for the appetizers. We want money so that we can go and buy a whole lot of stuff. We want to buy lots of stuff. Now to do this, to be able to buy all the stuff, you've got to work really hard. And you've got to work really hard so that you can pay all for all the stuff that you want to buy. And the problem with buying is that you need to pay. And because you need to pay, you need to work much to be able to get the money to pay. And, and so because you have to work so much to get the money to pay, that's why you're no longer excited about God. And so you're no longer interested in the main course because you're already full. But the appetizers are there. They're just meant to give you influence. They're meant to give you a, a place where people are going to listen to you, where people are going to hear what you have to say. So if we talked about the appetizers, what about the main course? Well, I want to tell you about God's main course. The main course of life is God himself. As you're sitting here today, I want you to think about that testimony we heard earlier. There is nothing better that you can have in your life but God himself. I want to tell you the best thing that there is and the best time that you can have is when God himself comes into your life. The second thing we see about God's main course is God's plan and purpose. You know that God has a plan and a purpose for the whole world. That God has a plan and a purpose which includes a plan and a purpose for every single one of our lives. There's a destiny He has set for all of us. And then the third thing we see about the main course is God's God-given assignment. You know, God has given an assignment for every single one of us that He wants us to carry out. It is the reason that we're still alive. It's the reason why we're still here. It is His assignment. But because we have so many appetizers and because we're chasing after so many appetizers we have no time for God and maybe you have the stuff but because you have the stuff you have no time for your God-given assignment you know one of the things that I've seen over many years in the church we have people coming out they've got absolutely nothing and then they pray for a job and when they get the job all of a sudden they have no more time for God you know how many times we've had it that people have come here and their marriage is in disarray. Their marriage is destroyed. And then they get serious about God because they want to get their marriage back. And what happens when they get their marriage back? Now we need to spend time with each other. We need to reconnect after all of the lost time. We have no more time for God. You know, when this happens in the church, the cell groups in the church stop growing. They stop growing because the people in the church have eaten all the appetizers and they are full. And what they don't realize is they've been eaten by the appetizers of life. Professionals with high paying jobs can't serve God because they keep buying stuff. Wherever they go, they're buying stuff. At the cell phone shop, they're buying stuff. At the car shop, they're buying stuff then maybe I need a Harley Davidson and they're buying stuff. Or they go to the clothing store and they're buying stuff and they can't get normal clothes. They got to get a shirt that costs 4,000 rand and shoes that cost 15,000 rand and a car where just to replace one of the tires is 25,000 rand. 
And so because they're buying all this stuff, they need to keep paying for all this stuff. And they need to pay and they need to pay. And so they've got to keep on working. And they've got to work themselves to the bone. And so because they have to work so hard, God gets crowded out. And I want to ask you an honest question here today. If God gives you a house or maybe gives you a car, do you ever think, you know, God, I thank you for my house. I'll give you 10 souls for them. Maybe your boss gives you a 15% pay increase. Do you say, thank you, Lord, I'm going to plant three cell groups for that? I'm going to smack the devil in the face. Or do you think I've got a promotion, I can't run cell group anymore? The Christian's battle is the battle between the main course versus the appetizers. And we have a problem because we can't see the difference between the appetizers and the main course that God gives us. And so the appetizers eat you alive. Zacchaeus had experienced the life with the appetizers, but now he wanted to know Jesus because possessions and position and power just didn't satisfy Zacchaeus anymore. Our main course is the plan and the purpose of God. Our main course is our God-given assignment. Now, one of the things we see is that there were things that hindered Zacchaeus from getting to Jesus. Just like there are things that hinder us from getting to Jesus. Look here in Luke 19, verse 2 to 4. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And then in verse 2, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. So he was very powerful. And he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. I want to ask you as you're sitting here, how will you handle your hindrances that keep you from focusing on the main course? We constantly encounter these hindrances when we want to get to Jesus. Every single one of us has the same battle. We all have the same war between the appetizers and the main course. And the first thing we see about Zacchaeus is he was short. He was very short. And you know what, what this talks about is personal limitations. We all have personal limitations that, that stop us from getting to Jesus. And the personal limitations are problems in our character that stop us from getting to God. And so how do you make the main course the main course? The answer is you have to make a decision. It's something that you have to decide. And one of the things you see is that some people can't be discipled because they always have excuses. And the appetizers are the excuses. But here's what I want to say to you today. You'll never develop the main course of life unless you're stronger than your excuses. I want to say that again. You will never develop the main course of your life unless you're stronger than your excuses. What are your excuses? Your excuses are your possessions. Your excuses is your, your position. Your excuses are your power. Oh, you know, I've got these problems with these investments. And they're taking up all my time. Pastor, I'm coming soon. Oh, you know, Pastor, I have a very serious senior position eh, in the government. You know, over Joburg, I'm responsible for this and for that and for the next thing. 
Pastor, I'm very busy. Eh? I know, Pastor, I, whew, I've got all this power. And with power, with great power comes great responsibility. I need to focus. But when you, when you have all of these excuses and your character is not stronger than your excuses, you will come to church, you will respond at the altar, but you will stay the same. Because you never decided to change. So the first was the personal limitations that Zacchaeus had. He was short. The second one was that the crowd was in the way. So while the first one that is short is a personal limitation, it's an inward thing, the second is an outward limitation. You know, the crowd. The crowd is stopping him from getting to Jesus. And these are factors outside of yourself that stop you from getting to God. You know, a person can get a job and uh, the job says they have to work when they're supposed to go to church. That's an outward limitation. And so Zacchaeus, he ran ahead. He made a decision. But what did he have to do before he could make that decision? He had to think. Sometimes we're thinking, yeah. And we're sitting down on our chairs when we should be thinking, yeah. You have to think. What makes you realize that your appetizers leave you empty? You have to think. So what did he do? Then he climbed the tree. When he climbed the tree, he overcame his height and he overcame the crowd. And you know, because he did this, Jesus noticed him. He said, come down from that tree. Never mind the crowd, I'm coming to have tea with you. If your life is spiritually stagnant, you need to think. You need to think about it and you need to find a new atmosphere in your life. Because when you do this, you'll find that as Jesus invited Zacchaeus for tea, he will invite you. But there's a warning in Proverbs 17 verse 13. Evil will never leave the house of the one who pays back evil for good. Listen to what that says. Evil will never leave the house of the one who pays back evil for good. What are you repaying God's goodness with? Do you tell him you have no time? When he invites you over for tea, do you tell him you have no time? Do you have time for him in the morning to get up and pray? You know, when we go back to the main course, God will bless us. God will bless us when we focus on the main course. And I want to ask you, how many of you today realize you've been focusing on the appetizers? And that now God is calling you to the main course. But what is the awakening all about? It's awakening up to a relationship with Almighty God. It's awakening to the power of the cross. The power of the blood of Jesus. The power that the blood of Jesus exhibits to change the lives of people. To change a messed up world. The power that the blood of Jesus has to take someone from the clutches of hell into the glory of eternity. The power that the blood of Jesus has to change us. The fact that because of the blood of Jesus we have authority. We have the authority to carry the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Wherever we go. And the blood becomes powerful when we have faith. And Romans 10, 8 and 9 says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. 
That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you know, I just want to tell you a story about my mother-in-law. We lost my father-in-law on the 23rd of October 2008. And then about three or four days short of four months later, we lost my mother-in-law. And I remember there was a lot of concern around her that her money might not last for the rest of her life. And she was incredibly generous. There was a whole lot of things that had happened in her life and she was like this with God. By the end of her life, she was like this with God. It was incredible to see. She was incredibly generous. She was part of the Catholic Church there in um, La Rochelle. She would take the nuns out. She would take the priest out. She would take us out. She would take other people out. And she'd always been generous, but it's like it, it got into a new level. And then she passed away. And you know, when she passed away, there was still plenty of money. Obviously, God knew when her life was going to end. And it was more than enough provision for her. And I want to tell you, you know, when you're living for the appetizers, you're not generous like she was. But what about when that moment comes for us? Because it's going to. It's going to come for all of us. And so God is speaking to you today, to some of you, I believe. And he, he wants to touch you right now. He wants to bless you right now. He wants you to experience the incredible blessing of a relationship with him. And he wants to do it right now. I want to really encourage you with this. That he's saying to you, don't wait until later. Now is the time that I'm speaking to you. Now is the time to, to, um, to take advantage of this. Now is the time to say, Lord, I want to commit to you. Lord, I want to be led by you. Lord, I want to have a different mindset. A mindset that says that wherever I'm going, that I'm on assignment from you. Lord, the job I'm in is not for any reason other than you have an assignment there for me in that place. Lord, the gym I go to is not just for exercise. You have an assignment for me in that place. Lord, my neighbors are not just next door to me so that I can be nice to them. You have an assignment for me with those neighbors. When you live for the Lord, everywhere you go, you live for Him. And you feel His presence. And then you're saying, when you make that commitment, Lord, I don't want to live far from you anymore. I want to know that it, when it comes for my time to pass on, when death comes knocking at my door, I want to know that it's not going to affect me because I'm ready. Because I know my place with you. And this is what the Lord is saying to you today. 
And I believe the Lord wants to explode on this nation. I believe the Lord wants to explode in this church. Whether we're locked down or not locked down, whether we can meet, whether we're restricted. Something, I had a conversation with Pastor Bert this past week and he said, the church has never been closed. We may be restricted, but we're not closed. We don't accept it. We're not closed. And so I want you to think about yourself now with Jesus. You may be restricted, but are you closed? I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to see Jesus on the cross dying for you. He wants to touch you. He wants to give you his presence right now. Just visualize Jesus. Remember him dying on the cross for you. And remember that this Jesus who died on the cross for you is the same Jesus that lives yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He never changes. Never has. He never will. And the blood that he shed for us became powerful because of the resurrection of Jesus. What we're celebrating on this Resurrection Sunday is that the blood of Jesus is alive. And it's washing away the sin of everyone who will have faith today. And so I'm going to ask you to put your right hand on your heart. And as you put your right hand on your heart, I'm going to ask you to pray and repeat after me. We're all going to say this together. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And I ask today, Lord, that the blood of your wounded body would wash me clean of all rebellion and all sin. That you'd set me free from any sickness and any pain. And I accept that my debt has been paid. There is no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. And I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And that you see me as if I've never sinned. And Lord, I thank you that you have sanctified me by the blood of your son Jesus. You have set me apart for your special purpose. To serve you wherever I go. And I want to serve you, Lord, with all my heart. And so I open the door of my heart. And I let you in as my Lord and my Savior. Please come inside, Lord. And now I thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
See the love.